the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, Talk 910 KNEW. It's a show that deals with everything from... The most expensive cars to drive around, to the cheapest cars to drive around, to hippies. We talk about places to live, wage inflation, home prices. We talk about the stock market. We talk about the economy. When will jobs come roaring back? Will they come roaring back? Blah, blah, blah. You get the whole idea. It's a financial show. And I think it's unlike any other show on radio. A, because I'm not a professional broadcaster. I'm a smart guy who can handle money. That's what I do, and that's what I do well. And I guess you could say I'm a little bit of a Generation Xer, where you don't tend to find a lot of that on radio because everyone tries to clean up their voice and act all adult-like. I'm going to tell you the honest truth. And sometimes it's going to stink and sometimes it's going to hurt. So first hour of the show, I tend to dedicate to the stock market and the economy because it's fantastic. It's, it's a story that evolves and it's dramatic and it changes every day. I would say that I've never had two exact same days in this business. Yeah, I do burnout, but I've never had two exact same days. And to me, that's fantastic. Um, you know, the Giants choking at the end of the season. We've seen that before. I'm so glad I don't have to cover sports for a living. Uh, I'm very, very pleased about that. Uh, Hillsdale High School. Kid takes a sword to school. Takes a sword to school. That's still uh, shocking to me. And I'm glad I don't have to cover stories like that because I don't have the patience for it. I don't have the heart. I don't have the, the, the empathy in any way, shape, or form. Um, local news kills me. It slays me. It makes me sad. It makes me degenerate. It's, it's all filled with molesters and, and missing children and, and kids who take swords and chainsaws to school. <sighs> so let's talk about what I love. Ben Bernanke. Doesn't he have the craziest beard in the history of crazy beards? It's so well manicured and coiffed. Uh, the major headline this morning is that President Obama is going to nominate Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke for a second term. The market loves the message. A couple months ago, we kind of wanted Bernanke's head on, on a platter. Now we're, we're calling him a hero. He saved the world from global collapse, according to him. <laughs> don't you love it when people tell you how great they are? Um, I like the president's decision, all things considered, because I don't know what we would have got out otherwise. And that's what money does. Money likes consistency, and money does not like doubt in any way, shape, or form. Um, he managed the exit strategy. Does he have one in place? I don't know. That's the problem is he's done a great job of averting a crisis, but we got into this problem because of lending. How are we going to get out of this problem? It's going to be very interesting. He's the king of the bankers. Markets rallied 18% in six weeks, and it's 54% above its March low. That's due in large part to the thinking that the U.S. economy is on its path to recovery. And such thoughts have long been born out of the success of Fed's policies designed to ease the strains in the financial markets. The move off the March lows in particular is a more meaningful endorsement of the Fed chairman 
um, in my opinion. So I think the stock market is saying, we love you, or you're doing enough of a good job that we feel good about it. So that's the big story. You know, I, there, sometimes I do turn on my internal editor and I edit out stories that you don't want to hear. Like, for instance, the Treasury is going to sell $30 billion in four-week bills and $27 billion in 52-week bills today, as well as $42 billion in two-year notes. And everyone just goes, ooh, I wonder what's on the sports station. So I tend not to go that direction. We did have some uh, home data today that I'll get to. Interesting phenomena yesterday was energy was higher and materials were weak. Typically, they move together. So there's some internal strategy thoughts going on in the market that's making me scratch my head a little bit. My guess is that materials were weak because some of the major sectors, including steel and agribusiness, were running into some major resistance while the energy sector gapping above resistance. There's also another way of thinking in strategic terms right now that everyone wants the dollar to go shorter, and thus I'm starting to think the dollar's not going to go shorter. Uh, the dollar has been a major downtrend since 2002, and people are getting more and more bearish, you know, weaker, weaker, weaker. They're calling it for weaker, weaker, weaker. Um, and that's a recipe for a strong counter trend, at least in the short term. So be very careful what you think about on Wall Street at times. So if I had to, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say oil should get weak right about now, and the dollar should get strong right about now. And also, um, I'm really concerned with uh, junk bonds and high-yield bonds. The credit spreads have gotten a bit ahead of themselves. And again, people are factoring in no defaults. And there's going to be – it's not going to be a benign default cycle in the world of corporate debt. It's not going to be a benign default cycle, not when there's this much hell to pay in the credit markets and this much of a recession and this much of an economic drag on jobs. Let's bring in certified financial planner Chad Burton. Chad Burton, he is a certified financial planner. Chad, what do you think of my opening commentary? Hey-o. Hey-o. Um, I agree with most of what you said. I, I still don't agree with you on the junk bond situation, though. Okay. I think that the default rates haven't hit what many of the really good junk bond managers have expected. So um, uh, yields have actually narrowed a bit okay. since the big spreads occurred back in November, which is typically when you, you know, at the deep part of a recession is when you want to buy convertible bonds and high yield and junk bonds high yield and junk bonds same thing so those listeners out there when you hear those terms are pretty much the same thing pretty much um and also and even on the investment grade side first of all i think rob the the run-up in the prices on convertible and junk bonds is just about over but the yields on the higher yield or junk bonds are fine the investment grade corporate bonds are fine there was a ton of investment grade corporate bonds coming to the market but that's expected now to be at least 50% lower this next quarter or two than it was the first two quarters of the year. So the the massive oversupply of bonds, which were actually not really an oversupply because they were being bought up by everybody and their mom, um, it, it's kind of slowing down a little bit. So I think they're just going to be kind of steady, you know, here's a decent yield and, um, you know, move on with your life type of a situation versus a big price run up. Okay. We could agree to disagree. So I won't call you nasty names. Um, <laughs> Case Scheller came out today, and the prices of single-family homes in 20 major cities rose and adjusted 1.4%. Um, still, they're down 15.4% in a year-over-year basis, but on a month-to-month basis, it's looking okay. Um, home prices have risen two months in a row now in 20 selected cities uh, for the second quarter in a row. So... I don't know. Um, thoughts on home prices? I don't even care about those reports. You know, in the next couple of months, let's let's wait until the uh, first time home buyer credit goes away after November and see what they're actually doing. Let's see what uh, you know unemployment numbers do. 
Um, let's see if small businesses go anywhere. And uh, a number like that, I, I really don't care about. It doesn't tell me anything as far as a longer term trend. Okay, Consumer confidence came out today, and it, it appears that our mood is brightened considerably in the month of August. The confidence index hit 54.1, which is a pretty good reading. It's not the greatest reading of all time, mm-hmm. but it appears to be back on the mend. Do you care about the conference board and the consumer confidence? Not when if, – if you look back a year ago and, and think of the headlines, maybe not even a year ago, six to eight months ago, and think of the financial Armageddon headlines that are out there and how that was affecting everybody's behavior and their thoughts and the conversations everywhere you went – Things have definitely improved as far as a sentiment point, but it's also kind of one of those things where, you know, about one in 10 workers are laid off right now and people are starting to get used to that type of news. So there's an improvement there. But um, again, it's not it's not going to change any of my asset allocation strategies at all. With that said, I think the consumer holdback is the present situation index. That's the telling sign inside the consumer confidence. Uh, There's like future expectations, but uh, currently not seeing a strong growth and in, in continue holding off major purchases. So people are holding back on big ticket items. Although you wouldn't think of that with the cash for clunkers and how successful that program was. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, I think people that had those cars potentially were looking at saying, I'm going to have to replace it either now or next year. Um, I mean, if it's truly a clunker, how much longer is it going to last? Um, so it gave a little bit of a boost. Um, one thing that I want to point out is <laughs> how well that government program was run and how, how dealerships, some of them are having to file bankruptcies because they're, they're not getting their money back in time. Let's just think about that when we want to think about government-run health care. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah. Another point for them. Okay. So, CBO. Do you know what the CBO is? Uh, commodities? No, it's the Congressional Budget Office. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking of, uh, what was I thinking of? Uh, CTO. No. I got it wrong. Go ahead. Go ahead with your news story while I fumble for my words. I think it was DBO. So, um, now you've thrown me. Federal budget deficit. (laughs) Federal budget deficit is going to be $1.6 trillion in 2009, um, at least uh, 11.2% of gross domestic product, and it's going to be the highest since World War II. The CBO's estimate is about the same as the Office of Management and Budgets estimates released after Tuesday. Uh, that deficit is going to reach $1.58 trillion in 2009. Um, what do you think about the deficit? And that's a pretty big number, Chad, but our economy is also a lot bigger. And as a percentage to our GDP, what that report just said, it's it's very similar to what it was since World War II. And can we call the credit crisis that we're coming out of World War III? Uh, and would, that make you feel, would that make you feel better? Uh, maybe, but what doesn't make me feel any better is in the same report – even though the Obama administration did cut $262 billion from its estimated 2009 budget deficit estimates, but they raised their 10-year estimate to $9 trillion. Yeah. I mean, so we're sitting here with a government that just bailed out consumers and um, you know a lot of financial institutions from over-leveraging themselves, and now we're turning around doing the same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, if we look at the debt as, as a percentage of our GDP, we still have a long way to go before we would catch up with other countries. But it seems to me, Rob, that those other countries that have gotten to that point are very slow growing, if not sideways growing economies. And, you know, that lack innovation, lack, uh, you know, kind of that small business drive that's out there. And so it has me worried for sure in the long run. Are you saying that Western Europe is slow growing? France, Germany, and Italy are, are boring economies? Uh, I think for... I think for innovation, yeah. 
socialized. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I wish I could look two years in the future and see if Obama's going to be able to... I, I want to see how he, he runs his, you know, for a second term. It's just going to be crazy interesting because this deficit of, you know, all the Republicans are going to have to do to run against him is say $9 trillion deficit. $9 trillion. And that's like a 30-second commercial. Yep. You could just say $9 trillion, 30 seconds of, of the word $9 trillion. And uh, I think it's uh, it's going to be a wild political season two, two and a half years from now. Yeah, it's going to be 2010 is going to be politically ripe for an independent, fiscally conservative person to come in for, you know, Congress and then, you know, for presidency as well. I think people are just so sick to, of tired of career politicians. That Have you uh, thought about the, running the for, for office? Uh, you know, somewhere down the line. I mean, really? not anytime soon. I still want to you go got my the, business. You got the but... hot wife and you got the, the good looking kids. That's true. That's true. So, but you got probably a jaded past somewhere. <laughs> Could be. So a couple bar fights or something that's going to come out and an orgy and things like that. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but. It's all know, alleged. It's all dream. alleged. You can dream. <laughs> <laughs> me dreaming of you in orgies, that's not what's going to be in my dreams. So, uh, me dreaming about a kid taking a you're sword. You're the one that brought it up. Kick. Yeah. That's uh, right next to where I live. The kid brought a sword to school. You know, you were really selling the Bay Area today, right? If anybody was visiting or outside or listening in over the net, thinking about, maybe I'll move to the Bay Area. <laughs> All you talked about was molesters, kids with swords at school. I hate local news. And yeah. I work for a local news station. It just stinks because you become jaded. Um, the mentality is, it's gang mentality. Yesterday, we were listening to the press conference at 3 o'clock, right before the 4 o'clock news. We were listening to the press conference of what the police knew about the kid and didn't know about the kid. And then his name comes out, and everyone starts Googling him and finding out about his mother and pictures of him on the web. It's just, it's a frenzy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, I'm kind of, I wish I could work for the BBC because they don't cover molesters and things like that. I know. Well, I can tell. I mean, just knowing you for over 10 years and you're media you have more energy and a better attitude when you get off radio than tv so i can tell what you like better that's for sure yeah 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 so anyway now you're sucking up to the host and that never sells well uh let's head to break I'm but when we know you don't like tv that much anymore <laughs> wow okay it's it's not that i don't like it it's that i just don't like it so <laughs> i'm not gonna agree with you i'm gonna have to say it in my terms okay um 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there if anyone has a question for certified financial planner chad burton Coming up, we're going to be talking variable annuities, what's going on with them. We're going to be talking about Paul Volcker. We're going to be talking about junk bonds again. Uh, We're going to be talking about, will we ever look at retirement the same way? You know, our grandparents, they basically worked till the day they died or close to it. Then our parents, they're actually enjoying retirement. Will we? It's a good question. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Yeah, this is Charlie Murphy, and you're listening to Rob Black on Talk 910 KNEW. It's Rob Black, Joe. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't be shy with the phone calls. I won't bite, as Heidi says. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Tomorrow I'm going to do a show on hippies. Um, in the second hour of the show, I'm going to do a show on the 60s. 
I've started doing some research on it, finding out what television shows we were watching, finding out how we were investing, where inflation was, uh, how the stock market did coming out of the 1950s. And, you know, in the 50s, we started, you know, getting homes. Uh, How did that play out in the 60s, so to speak? So I'll play that out for you on the show tomorrow from 11 to noon, 11 to noon. I'm going to do it in the second hour. First hour will be a normal show. Second hour, I'm going to be talking about the hippies, the hippies of the 60s. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Now, Chad Burton. Yes, sir. Um, you got to stop with that sir thing with me. I sent you an email. Can you open up your email? <laughs> I've got it. I'm okay. It right now. So this was an interesting one. And I mean, it literally just came in. And it's mm-hmm. a 62-year-old person planning on retiring in four years at 66. Right now, makes sixty thousand dollars a year. Uh, mortgage is about eleven hundred dollars. Mm, owes about one hundred eighty-four thousand, and there's some homeowner fees. So those homeowner fees are never ever going to go away. Right. Is my guess. So it sounds like it's a condo or a townhouse. Thirty um, percent of the money in the four fifty-seven is in stable value uh, money market funds. Uh, the rest appears to be forty percent in balanced asset allocation. is in an S&P index. So about 70% is exposed to the stock market. 30% is super, super, super safe. It's only $38,000. There's another $22,000, and there's another $51,000. So what do we have there? Um, 60, 100, what do we have? 120,000 plus another CD at 110,000 is $250,000. I mean, that's what I'm seeing here in, in only half of that $250,000 is exposed to growth. The other half of it's in CDs. Is that enough to retire on? Not a chance. I mean, this person better have a pension um, on top of Social Security. And in some cases, if you're in a, some sort of a 457 plan or some sort of a government-sponsored plan, you may not even have Social Security. So you know, to, to retire, let's say they've got four or five years left to accumulate assets and they get even to 400000 between their contributions and, and let's say you get back to normal growth, you get up to $400,000. It's, it's nowhere near enough. It's nowhere near enough to get $60,000 a year of income because they might be able to do it for a couple of years, Rob, yeah. but then inflation is going to come into play because if you need sixty grand a year now, first of all, they're pulling all these all these monies out of 457 and 401k accounts. That means they're only going to keep 70 cents on every dollar they pull out because it's all pre-tax money. Okay. And in uh, you know about 18 to 20 years with inflation, they're going to need 120 grand a year to live to maintain that same standard of living. So maybe part of their plan is to sell their you know $1.2 million home in the Bay Area and move to Arkansas or something else, but there's just not enough here unless there's a pension that we're not hearing about. Okay. So... Is the new norm, like for instance, um, I've kind of got some, a, a set of foster parents. They're not really foster parents. Just when my father passed away, they kind of took me under their wing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're retired. They're ex-government CIA spooks. Um, they're living fat. They're living huge. They're you know huge pensions, and they're they're going around seeing the grandkids. They're going around uh, the world. They're going around the nation. They're driving everywhere they go. It's they're, they're having a good time in retirement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Is that over? I wouldn't say it's over. I think just the retirement age of normal 65 is probably over for a lot of people right now. Um, let's not forget, though, that there's still a lot of baby boomers whose parents are alive, and those parents live through the Depression era, era and uh, you know live off their Social Security but may have a couple million dollars you know, sitting in money markets and CDs and things like that. Um, so there's still a chance for a lot of the baby boomers that have not saved to 
be able to retire based on inheritance, but that inheritance for generation X and Y is, is pretty, pretty much gone. No, that's um, it'll, it'll be used up on the baby boomers in most cases. So, um, a lot of people need to really sit down after a big economic, you know, flatline decade like we've had and reset their retirement goals. And, you know, maybe it's not full-time work till 65, Maybe it's part-time work from 60 to age 70, but there's just not enough. I mean, if you're 65 years old and you're drawing more than 4% of your portfolio to live, you're going to run into trouble because of inflation in 10 to 15 years. Um, so that, that's kind of your quick gut check for those of you that are retired out now, right now, 65, you're pulling more than 4% of your portfolio. You could be running into problems, especially if you're too conservatively positioned. Now, Heidi is on the live blog trashing you. She's throwing you under the bus. Uh-oh. I haven't so. even logged into the live blog yet yeah i've kind of given up on the live blog so it takes so much energy just to do a radio show that trying to be a, a good live blogger kind of stinks but i, I usually read them but not participate because i just can't you know can't do two things at once according to my wife a little bit of a voyeur are you <laughs> yeah so um so she goes chad you're high the government already runs medicare we can run a military but you think we can't handle health care <laughs> go go talk to any doctor that tries to get reimbursed for medicare or medicare or medicaid uh, payments and tell them how awesome it is, how awesome that system works. Um, the people that, oh my gosh, it's you, you show me how that system works well. Give me some evidence that Medicare or Medicaid works well. I've seen people in nursing homes on Medicaid and it does not work well. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, but she's young. She's ideal. She, um, she's kind of off the grid. You know, I, I totally agree with her, though. Healthcare definitely needs to be reformed. That's one thing that she just posted on the blog. It's it's an issue. A, an advanced society should have options for healthcare for everybody. Um, but the problem is now right now... you're starting now, to talk like a Star Trek um, admiral. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it should be our initiative. Yes. Advanced Chad societies <laughs> should have medical initiatives. Yes. No, I mean, the problem is, is that there, there's still so much a risk of a big double dip recession with uh, lack of support for small business and, and motivating small business, motivating innovation in America that they're, they're just going down a path that cannot, we, we can't afford it under this current path that we're on. There's just no way. You know, two jobs I just don't understand. What's that? And it just goes to show you like, we do live in a goofy society. I don't understand. Um, who are the people that uh, watch you sign documents? Uh, notaries. Notaries. I don't understand that. I don't understand that we have a job that people watch you sign a piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> and they get paid well. Yeah. Well, I think they typically do other things like work at a bank or, you know, some sort of a paralegal or something like that. There used to be times where people were traveling notaries, and I still think there's some businesses that do that, but I don't know if it's a well-paid business. Anymore. Did your life just not go as planned if you're watching people sign documents? Like, <laughs> did, you, did you just give up? Like, as a kid, uh, did you dream? Like, as a kid... Uh, Chad, I dreamed of being a um, you know cowboy and hanging upside down on trees and and eating spaghetti with the love of my life. And you know, as a kid, I had these big, great, grand scheming ideas, um, and I kind of got them all to come true. I mean, honestly, my life's been fantastic. Do you think any kids go? I want to be a professional football player. Ooh, I want to watch people sign paperwork. <laughs> That's like a career day gone bad. <laughs> Is there yeah. a notary that did, did you date a notary that broke up with you or something? <laughs> what no. happened, Rob? Tell I just, us. I was just driving to work today and trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to talk about. And I see someone who's a notary who not only ha is a notary, but they have it on their car, like, you know, uh, grandscheminotary.com. 
Um, so they actually <laughs> use the car as a write-off. I mean, that's what's wrong with America. We pay people to sign doc- to watch people sign documents. Yeah. I know. I do, but I agree. I'm just, I get that in the that's 16th, what I can add. I get that in the 16th and 17th century when ye old farmer signed, uh, you know, a mortgage and took gold from the king that you had to get someone who could prove that ye old farmer actually signed it. I don't get it in modern society. It should be our new initiative to get rid of notaries. <laughs> the next is signature guarantee because that's what's in the financial world for brokerages. What's what's a signature guarantee? It's like a, a notary on steroids. Really? Yeah. Okay. No. Okay, that's all I got. Let's go to break. Um, <laughs> the other job, by the way, uh, if you have kids today, radiologist. Radiologists make big bucks. No shortage of cancer. And all they do is put like an, a lead blanket on you and go take a photo. <laughs> that's they don't good... read it or anything. No, 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 no. They've got no education. All that, right? yeah. they... <laughs> it's a good job, right? Yeah, it is. Some... Definitely very lucrative. Worst job in the world? Dental hygienist. Person who has to scrape plaque. Anyway, you think? Oh god, that would be awful. Looking in people's mouths all day. Yeah, that would. Eight hundred sore neck. Suicide rate very high for dentists. Really? Yep. So thanks. Don't worry. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. I'm begging for calls, please, please. I don't have anything to talk to chat about. Eight hundred three four five fifty six thirty nine. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. And common sense. This is Talk 910 KNEW. This is Rob Black. I'm starting to get a little depressed. I need to get out of this funk, so to speak. Taxes are just bumming me out. I'm looking at my paycheck and Social Security and FICA and, you know, 7.65% here. 22% there. It's just, it's starting to bum me out, Chad. And our government, I don't know, they're not making me feel good about what I'm giving them. Well, this is the fact that it gets bigger and bigger. And it tries to get involved in more and more of our lives. It just, it's just not, it's just going away from what it was meant to be. And it's, it just causes more and more of the sense of entitlement that I think is just ruining younger people. Heidi feels entitled to, to great health care. But that's if everybody's working hard and, and, and working to innovate, that's fine. But if you're sitting around saying, I just deserve free health care without pitching anything in, I think you're high. And you probably are high if you're sitting around thinking that. I was uh, having trouble sleep last night. So I looked at um, one of the worst TV shows of all time. Do you remember a TV show called Rhoda? Rhoda, no. It was a spinoff of Mary Tyler Moore. Again, it's it's just a show that made no sense. Like, at times, I, I think America, we just don't make sense. Yeah, it's like when Friends ended and Joey had his own show for a while, right? Friends, yeah. Well, that's a good example, but that's a modern example. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> you're a certified financial planner, and you're Chad Burton. What do we need to know about you? <laughs> what a softball question. Like no, that. no, no, no. It's not really that much of a softball question. It's called resetting. And every now and then, people who just come to the radio, they, they know me because I'm kind of a big deal. I'm a big celebrity in the Bay Area. Um, I'm as big as, um, who's that newscaster that we have on at Cron? Oh, Gary Radnich. Yeah, yeah. I'm as big as him. So I'm, I'm, I'm big. I'm well known. So who are you? <laughs> uh, I'm 
certified financial planner. So I deal with basically any financial issues besides individual stock questions. So um, okay, that's people enough. have tax questions. No, 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 that's enough. Planning <laughs> that's enough. Yeah, we know enough about you. You always do that. I don't even know. <laughs> and you I'm always fall for it every just... single time. Variable <laughs> annuity assets. They're going through the roof. What's a variable annuity and why are they going through the roof? Well, variable annuity, they traditionally just started as it's an insurance product that inside it that looks like mutual funds. So they typically copy mutual funds. They're called sub-accounts technically inside this insurance product. So it's a way to invest in mutual fund-like accounts with it being tax-deferred. So you can move around inside the account without paying taxes when you re- uh, reallocate. You don't pay taxes on your dividends and interest till you pull it out. Um, used to be really, really good products prior to... Um, Oh, the major change in the 90s where uh, capital gains taxes went down to 20%. Um, now where capital gains are at 15%, not so attractive. But why they're gaining so much ground right now is because insurance companies are throwing in these extra benefits that say things like, well, if you put in a certain amount of money, we'll guarantee that no matter what the mutual funds or slash subaccounts inside the contract do, we'll pay you 6% for the rest of your life as long as you live. So people are saying, okay, I can get back into this market and have some sort of an income guarantee for life. Um, and the problem is, is that you have to be really careful, Rob, because they charge you typically two to three percent in extra fees for you to give this guarantee. All right. Okay. And uh, so what it'll do in the long run is cost you and your family a ton of money if you're putting all of your assets in these things, uh, because there's never been a ten-year period where a balanced portfolio has lost money. So the insurance companies know that they're never really going to have to go into their reserves to pay you in most cases. You know, 98% probability that they will not have to go in their reserve. So they're just going to make a ton of money off these assets that are going in. Um, now, the good thing is there's no load versions of these where the fees are more like 1.5%. And if you're doing it with like 10 to 15% of your portfolio, fine, but not 100% of your portfolio. Okay. So what do you think about money market funds and what Paul Volcker recently had to say about money market funds? And remind us what he said. Well, Paul Volcker has kind of been a long time, he's really hated these money market funds. He looks at the banking industry and he says, okay, it's a well-regulated, it's really kind of the you know underpinning of our economy. Uh, people get you know deposit money, they earn interest, it's FDIC insured, the banks lend it out, so on and so forth. But you got these money market funds that are these short-term loans between institutions, this, what's called commercial paper, which is part of the stuff that kind of started to collapse during the credit debacle that we had in October. And, um, you know, he's looking at three and a half trillion dollars of cash that's that's outside the regulated banking industry. And it's providing short term funding to thousands of companies. And if something happens in this market, it's it it could be kind of it could be another kind of wave of credit crisis that we have. So he's just calling for for more regulation of this. And this kind of stems from the reserve primary money market fund that in last September started to collapse. It went under a dollar a share. So investors started yanking their money out and that was $62.5 billion in that. So then the U.S. Treasury came in and they they guaranteed these money market funds. But these end, this, this government guarantee of the money market funds of those companies like Vanguard and Fidelity that participated in this, it ends September 18th, 2009. So something has to happen after that, either some more regulation, more transparency, or maybe longer term you know, government regulations and or guarantees is, is kind of what he's calling for. He's really worried about this part of our economy. Now, speaking of really worried, let's say you're going to send one of those elderly people into retirement. And uh, what's some of the, the pitfalls they, they might be making? For early retirement? Early retirement. Yeah, well, 
I think the biggest one is that, you know, the email that you got last segment that was talking about, you know, having a certain amount of money that didn't look like anywhere near enough to keep up with inflation. So the biggest pitfalls that people make is just on their budgeting. They sit there and they say, okay, I need a certain amount of dollars each month to live. But they forget that the majority of their retirement accounts are in pre-tax dollars. So when you withdraw from that IRA, that 401k, 403b, 457 plan, you're only keeping, you know, 70 cents on the dollar typically of what you pull out. So they make budgeting mistakes. They also forget about health care. They think, hey, I'm going to turn 65. I'm going to get Medicare. When you have Medicare, you have to pay for Medicare Part B, which is typically about 100 bucks a month for a person. If you make too much money, it could be up as much as 300 bucks a month. Um, and then you need supplemental insurance. That's around 150 prescription drugs, another 150. I mean, basically, Rob, people have to put in about six, $700 a month into their budget for post 65 healthcare costs, dental insurance, things like that, long-term care. And so people forget about adding the healthcare into their budget. And then the big one is inflation. It's not a straight line that you, once you figure out what your budget is, that's changes every year. You're going to need to pull out more and more each year as you get into retirement. So people retiring younger, I mean, they've got 35, 40 plus years of inflation and healthcare expenses to fight. And like cars and things like that. There's just, there's going to be expenses people don't think about. Yeah. You got to throw in a car. I mean, typically you're not going to, I don't see as much turnover on cars um, in retirement. You know, the average person I think keeps their car three, four years in retirement. That's usually around 10 years. Um, you're just being a little bit more fiscally conservative and you're not driving quite as much in many cases. Um, so you've got to add that into your budget. What if you want to buy that RV? What if your travel costs are going to triple because now you're retired and you want to go travel more? Um, helping that grandkid with college. Maybe there's a special needs kid in your family that you're, that you really want to help out. So throwing that all into your budget, it's, it's part of, you know, figuring out how much money am I going to have left at age 80, 85, a hundred. You remember pitfall? You said the word pitfall. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the video game pitfall? Oh, yeah, the little guy running and kind of in a jungle type of deal. Pitfall Harry, not little guy. It was a technical <laughs> achievement because it was one of the very first times you couldn't see pixelization of the sprites as they were moving. There was a smoothness to it. Um, I had are, a game. Are you my, reading this right now or is no, it just no. coming out of your brain? It, this was my favorite game as a child. It was oh, one okay. of my favorite games, 1982. Mm-hmm. Um, if you scored over 20,000 points, and I think you had 20 minutes to get like 32 treasures... If you scored over 20,000 points, you could take a picture of your TV and get a, a, send it to Activision, and Activision would send you um, a patch, like a, a Pitfall Harry patch. So, And I have a Pitfall Harry patch. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> you should wear that on a t-shirt to the next seminar. <laughs> Scorpions and snakes and bats. and uh, It was so much fun. Oh, boy. That's yeah. all I got for you. Good. Well, can I depress people a little bit more about the healthcare and social security thing? How about we do that when we come off break? Okay. Coming off break, there's going to be discouraging and sad news that you don't want to hear, that you may want to buy a gun and shoot yourself over on the Rob Black Show right after the break. Talk 910 KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black. Chad, that's a little pitfall hairy music for you. Hey, 
It's almost as annoying now as it was back then. This is pitfall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's super producer Heidi uh, pulling that one up. That's a quick pull right there. That's a good pull. That's a good pull. I got an email from someone who says, I want a job where I can help people plan for retirement. Is the only way doing this working for a company like American Express selling securities to your family? Um, I'd really like a situation where I could be self-employed. And that's an email from Pierre. I got mail. Yay. I got mail. Yay. What's incredibly hard for me to believe about this piece of email, Chad. What? Not that he would even consider working for Ameriprise or the American Express financial planners, because I, I wouldn't honestly let my worst enemy work for Ameriprise. That's how low I think of them. Um, anyone who works with Ameriprise financial planners, I think you're kind of sad and pathetic and you didn't really think this through too well. Um, but his name's Pierre. That's where the email is like, <laughs> no one names their kid Pierre. <laughs> Just hammer on him a little more. Keep going. What's that? Just hammer on him a little bit more. Just keep going. I, I'd mention his last name, but that's uncool. Okay. So, it, I mean, how many Pierre's can there be in the Bay Area? There's got to be like one. Everyone <laughs> knows who this guy is that he wants to quit his job and go work for Ameriprise. We all know you hate French people, right? Career suicide. I love French people. Oh, okay. They're actually pretty nice to Americans. All you got to say is, I don't speak French. Can you speak English? And that's the one phrase that you have to memorize in French. And they'll, they'll bring you into their house. They'll cook for you. They'll make nasty duck. Who eats duck? Well, the French eat duck. It's a gamey bird. I don't much care for it. Too chewy. Too chewy. Um, but anyway... Uh, working for Ameriprise. Good idea, bad idea to get into the industry? Well, Ameriprise is better than it was when it was American Express. Um, you know, that other broke off from American Express. But it's still, the financial plans that I see out of that type of a company are fairly boilerplate financial plans that at the end says, buy this insurance product from us, this annuity from us, and these loaded mutual funds from us. So you, you couldn't really say as an American Express or, or sorry, Ameriprise advisor, are you a fiduciary? they probably would not be able to answer yes because they have certain product quotas and and loaded funds and annuities that they sell for their firm versus looking out there the best. So there are worse ones out there, Rob. I mean, if you look at the Primerica or WMA-type World Marketing Alliance, which is basically multi-level marketing in the form of insurance and mutual fund sales, those are worse. Okay. Those are uh, just awful. Um, so there are a lot of fee-based financial planning firms that are independent registered investment advisory firms that can go out and pick any stock fund, mutual fund, ETF, bond, whatever they want that's traded at whatever firm that they you know trade through, whether it's Schwab or Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, something like that, that that's the types of firms you want to work for. With that said, those types of firms typically want to hire people that have had a couple of years of in, uh, industry experience. And most of the time, you have to go to some of the bigger boys, the Wachovia's and Merrill Lynch's and things like that to get your couple of years of training in, not only on product knowledge, but sales training. And I would rather have, Rob, a person that you know went four or five years in the insurance industry to learn about all those products, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then you know went into the fee-based side and had all of that experience from the commission world to find out what's good and what's bad, and then the fee-based world. I would rather have you know hire that person than somebody that has no experience. I'm not following you, but that's okay. Well, it's 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 simple because if you if you go, I'd rather someone who is poorly trained. You don't get poorly trained because I think people that go into the sales side of the industry, the Push loaded the funds and and the insurance side and things like that, and then you see them want to break away. You know that they know there's there's better things and better way of doing business. 
And so they already have kind of that uh, built-in integrity, I guess you could say, of, of the, the built-in kind of fiduciary standards. They want to do better by their clients than selling them product. Okay, okay. So now you wanted to depress us on healthcare one more time? Well, yeah, we were talking about you know how people budget, and they budget so poorly when they're trying to do their own projections I for financial planning. Chad, I budget poorly. Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've got my months and quarters where I do as a family as well. Okay. For sure. For sure. Um, yet you probably got to kill that phrase for sure for sure yeah. uh, very like valley girl I'll keep, of you i'll keep saying it um <laughs> anything you tell me not to say i'm gonna say it more i'm just i'm like your little kid for sure it, it, for sure yeah anyways so, so the poor the poor budgeting comes in when it, people forget about taxes when they got to pull their money out of their 401ks and iras um they forget about their health care costs and then Social Security, people depend on their Social Security going up with inflation. Well, it's more than likely not going to go up with inflation for the next two years because there really isn't any. The last couple of years' worth of inflation that Social Security has gone up, Medicare Part B, the cost that you pay for out of your Social Security check, has gone up by um, double-digit rates. Like in 2008, from 2007 to 2008, it went up 13%. So these costs, these bump-ups in Social Security are being eaten up by the bump-ups in Medicare. Like totally. Totally. And it's not awesome. It's pretty gnarly. Gag me with a spoon. Yes. I'm ready to come up with every other Valley Girl scene. And I think I'm out. <laughs> you should do a Valley Girl themed show of investing. There's got to be something there. Reality pill. <laughs> Chill pill. Well, it was reality pill back then. Uh, the 90s made it into a chill pill. But the 80s, it was a reality pill. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Did you know Nicolas Cage was, that's, I think his first movie was Valley Girl. Did you know he is one of my most least favorite actors? Most least favorite. Does that make sense? I, I cannot stand Nicolas Cage. In act. It just, he's the same character, if not worse, in every movie. I just love his hair. <laughs> I don't get it. You guys do have similar hairlines. Oh, I've got an awful hairline. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's neither here nor there. He's lost his hair, and that's, that's, a, that's a weave. That's not real hair. Yeah, I would, I would bet. Okay. It's never really looked real. Okay. You I know, think the worst was it when he was in Con Air and that just awful accent that he tried to do for it. I can't believe I watched that movie. I found some uh, great uh, trippendicular. <laughs> <laughs> Gnarly. Tubular. Uh, tubular. You know what that tubular means? Yeah, the pipe on a surf when you're surfing. Very pipeline. Co- it actually means very cool. But um, Betch. Betch means bitch. Uh, barf me out for sure. <laughs> that's where it all came from chad burton is a valley girl and there is no cure <laughs> any last things that we need to know before i kick you off the air uh not well i mean the, so the idea behind that social security thing is that don't expect it to go up with inflation so when you're running your budget out you can assume that most of your items in your budget are, are going to you know increase at about three and a half percent rate through retirement but healthcare costs at five and don't assume social security is going to go up in value because technically on paper, they're broke in 2017 and 2019 between Social Security and Medicare. Sounds good. Not really. Sounds good. <laughs> Very depressing. Sounds good. It's the Chad Burton Show. I'm just watching it. You can find him online at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. Uh, go rent Valley Girl if you want to see a very young Nicolas Cage with crazy chest hair that's shaved like a V. Never shave your chest hair like a V. I don't get it. Anyhow, let's take a break here. It's Rob Black Show. Take a break. We'll be back top of the hour. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.